From Astoria to the Rockaways, it's time for the Queen's New Yorker. And here is the man giving you all the info, your uber snazzy and jazzy host, Mr. Jason Dacanio! contagious group. Thank you so much. Wow. Yes. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, welcome once again to another edition of the Queens New Yorker. It is Tuesday, April 21st, 2020. And of course, this is the final chapter of the topic at hand, part number four. We made it to the end of what was a long stride of great history, the IRT. And this is the final part where today we'll be talking about one of the most interesting parts of the IRT, the station design and the tiles that go with it. It's something very unique, very original, and you won't ever see it again for unless you see it in pictures or in museums. So let's talk about it today on the show. Now, since we have so much to talk about before we get into the IRT, because it's a very short, um, it's a very short kind of briefing here. Wanted to let you know that we are just doing fantastic. You guys are really, and I'm serious about this, really hitting this channel wonderfully. The subscribers are coming through. The views are getting there. Watch time is going up, up, up. And you know they just launched for YouTube. They just launched the new um, YouTube studio. So now we don't have the classic anymore. Yeah, I know. It's it's kind of like, you know, we, now we have to look at it in a different way. But if we look at everything that we've seen so far, I could tell you right now. Uh, let's see. Episode 81 has so far 33 views, 15 comments, 6 likes, and a dislike. Episode number 80. Uh, let's see. Let me see what we have here. 31 and 16. And that was 7 likes, no dislikes. And um, 79. See, that's the thing. They don't show you the, uh, they don't show you the, uh, what you call it. The, uh, well, let's see. Let's show it the title. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I don't know it's title. I don't know about title, but anyways. Okay, but you get the idea. And then, of course, we had that live episode or that live Q&A. It's got now about 44 views. Um, four. Let me see what we had here. Five likes. 
and no dislikes. That's a good thing. So thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Of course, once again, give it up for yourselves. You are a great audience as it is. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh. That's, that's the new Tuesday crowd that's coming in, you know? Very much so. Oh, yeah. I, uh... <laughs> oh, yeah. Very nice. So, uh, anyways, we are just about doing terrific here. I hope you're doing great. hope you had a great weekend. And, uh, you know... There's uh, just a whole bunch of good stuff going down, but let me see. I was I was I couldn't find any any jokes, you know, New York City jokes. There, there was like a whole bunch of stuff there, and well, uh, you know, sometimes you're looking around for something to to you know get through, and you know, let's see, let's see, twenty twenty jokes, but that's more or less. More like signs. So I was looking around, and it just, you know, sometimes you just get to that point where like <laughs> you never know. But I was going back, in and I looked at some of the things, and I was like, okay, there might be a, you know, there might be something in here. Let's see. Okay. All right. Now, this one is from Joe Mandy. He lives in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. He says, I live in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, which is a very hip, cool neighborhood in New York. And really, all that means is that I'm constantly surrounded by pretty girls who wear defiantly ugly clothing and a lot of dudes who look like they're about to go operate a steam engine. (laughs) Wow. Whoa. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, right? That kind of makes me wonder about that one. Yeah. And let's get another let's get another one in here real quick before we uh before we go. Uh, let's see. Pete Holmes says, um, there are so many people in this city, so much happening that it's impossible to tell if your apartment is haunted. Think about that. That's true. Can you, cause you hear anything at any hour, there's always something to blame it on. Yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. I had creaking in my house one day, and I didn't know what it was. Right. No, seriously, I did. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, it's true. Because a lot of the houses so are so old. That uh, anything can happen, even you can walk across your basement floor and you might find something that just kind of sticks out and you would think your place is haunted. So that's a good few jokes there. And we're ready to go now and look at the final part of the early history of the IRT subway, which is the station design. Three paragraphs. And here we go. Picking up where we left off from the Wikipedia, which is, of course, the encyclopedia of anything and everything in the world, we'll leave you a description and we'll leave you a link in this in the description. And just you know, for um, all time's sake here, um, I I would love to see if I could get some comments in real quick. And I'm going to share with you um, one comment. Let's see. 
uh, that I have responded to. That's what I wanted, actually. It's hard to maneuver around sometimes. Let's see. Um, the, the man Josh Journey, he used a good comment, and he said, and he wrote it in poem form. He said, just dropping by. Hope we can be friends. I'm your new subs. Please visit me. Thanks. We will stay connected for sure. There you go. Nice. And I said, thank you, I will, and welcome to the family, which I always do to everybody in the comments section. Okay. So pick it up where we left off. Part four, station design of the IRT. Now, the designs of the underground stations generally conform to a similar format, <clears throat> with a few exceptions. There were two types of stations that Chief Architect William Barclay Parsons' team designed as part of contract number one. Local stations, which served only local trains. They had side platforms located on the outside of the tracks, and while express stations served both local and express trains and had island platforms between each direction's pair of local and express tracks, generally, express platforms as well as local platforms north of 96th Street were originally 350 feet long. And though the local platforms south of 96th Street were shorter at about 200 feet, there was a sole exception, was the City Hall Station, which was designed to a much more ornate style than all of the other stations and consisted of one looping track. The design of the stations were inspired by those of the Paris Metro, whose designed Parsons was in pressed by. Hines and Lafarge were commissioned to design the station's decorations, as well as the entrance and exit kiosks and buildings. Most of the stations were located just below ground level and had a fair control turnstile area at the same level as the platform, though several stations also had mezzanines over the platforms. The roofs of the platforms were supported by cast iron columns placed every 15 feet, additional columns between the tracks placed every five feet, supported the jack-arched concrete station roofs. Each platform consisted of three-inch-thick concrete slabs beneath which were located drainage basins. The City Hall station was distinctive in that it instead contained vaulted ceilings with Gustavino tile. Now, Gustavino tiles, whew. Some pretty unique stuff. The station walls were made to slightly different designs in each station. The lowermost portion of the walls were either Roman brick or marble, above which was wainscoting. The rest of the walls were then made of white glass or glazed tile. At the top of each station wall was a frieze. That's F-R-I-E-Z-E interspersed with plaques signifying the street name or number, as well as plaques with a symbol that is associated with a local landmark or something else of local significance. Hines and Lafarge worked with the ceramic-producing firms Gruby Fiance Company, Fiance Company of Boston, and Rock, or Rookwood Pottery of Cincinnati to create the ceramic plaques. In addition, mosaic tablets with the name of the station were put at regular intervals within the station wall. Wonderful. And, of course, if you scroll down here, because, of course, when we give you the link, you'll see that there was a lot of changes when each of these stations opened, some of them closed in specific times, 
And you'll also see the history of the New York City subway, which is where we were before we came to the IRC or the IRT. So with all of that, we finally got through part four of the IRT. There you have it, folks. And a great history it was and still is to this day. Yes. Yeah, I tell you, you know, we could we could talk all day about the IRT, <laughs> but you know we have to move on as it is. So next time on the show on Thursday, we're going to look briefly at the BRT, which is, and the BMT. It's not much. It's maybe like one. It's maybe like one. One show, part one. It's the rapid transit operations of the BRT and the BMT. That would be the Brooklyn Rapid Transit Company and the Brooklyn Manhattan Transit Corporation. They were from between 1896 to 1923. And then the BMT came after that, after the BRT from 1923 to 1940. So we went from the IRT, which was... uh, Year-wise was, what do you call it, 1894 all the way to, like, 1904, six years' worth. Yeah, you know, given a, given a, given a fact of that matter. Ran for a good long time. Then you had the BRT that came in and took over, and then the BMT that took over them. So, so, so all of this... And the reason why we did it this way was because these are how we all came up to today's modern subway system. We had to go back to the beginning, folks, because if we didn't give you this information now, you would have questioned it later and said, yeah, but how did we get to this? Why did he jump? Again, this is about this is why our show is the history of the of the borough of Queens. We are giving you a historic look at Everything that has to do with New York City and the borough, the five boroughs we could touch a little bit on, but mainly the borough of Queens. And, of course, the subway system has a lot to do with Queens. So, like I say, this we want to give you this beginning information in a timeline format so that way you could see how everything was developed and how everything became. I hope you're enjoying this series. Please give a thumbs up and comment as to how you are liking the format of the program. If you gave me a thumbs down, please explain to me why, because, you know, again, everybody's going to have their opinions of this show. I understand that. But I would hope that we're reaching a great audience that's branching out and doing your thing and hoping that your channels have great success as well. I thank you very much for joining me here today on The Queen's New Yorker. And we'll see you, of course, on Thursday for another edition. That'll be episode 83. Don't forget, this Friday coming up, April 24th at 8 o'clock, another live and Q&A session with our real subscribers. I've given a, a full week's worth of a notice, so hopefully people will come in that are real subscribers and we can start talking about what we've learned over these past 82 episodes because there's so much to cover 
And I know a lot of people should have some questions that they would love to ask me, and I would love to give you answers to. I'm Jason DiCanio. Remember, folks, be honest, be real, keep it simple, stupid, kiss, and don't be a nut monkey. That's right. Have a great day. We'll see you on Thursday. Bye for now. You have been watching The Queen's New Yorker. This is Jason Kelly on a Jason DeCanio Internet presentation. Thank you for your support.
Thank you.